Welcome to The Bridge, the official podcast for the University of Maryland Baltimore School of Pharmacy Patients Program. The Patients Program is the bridge between the community and researchers. The Patients Program created this partnership to help researchers listen to the community's voice in order to build a bridge to an effective learning healthcare community. Here's your host, Rodney Elliott. Welcome to the Bridge Podcast. I am Rodney Elliott, the Community Engagement Specialist at the Patients Program. And I am uber, uber, uber excited about our guest today. Um, This is our first podcast of 2023. And the group we have here is a dynamic group. They've been with the Patients Program for for a long period of time. And our relationships go way back. So I want everybody to... Sit back, enjoy if you're on a bike listening or you're taking a walk in the neighborhood. This is a really nice opportunity to hear about what the Patients Program is doing um, in a project that's near and dear to us. And we're going to get right at it. I'm going to introduce our group uh, initially, but as we have our conversation, you'll learn a little bit more about each of them individually and collectively as a group. We have Jeffrey Wells, Dr. Palmer, Jana Palmer. We have... Deborah Marvel, who actually has a really nice two-step. If you guys didn't realize that, like she has a really awesome two-step. We had a, you shared an awesome dance a couple years ago, the Patients Program, and I'll never forget it. There is footage out there of that. So if you need that, send me an email. I'll share it with you guys. We also have Dr. Sabosian on here as well. And um, he may or may not stay with us the whole time, but if he does, that's great. If not, you guys will know why. So we're going to dive right into it. And Dr. Bojan, you're up next. You're up next right away. And we're talking about a project that's new and near and dear to the patients program. It's called Prep It. That's obviously an abbreviation for it. So in layman's terms, Doc, if you could, for our audience, if you could just tell us what the Prep It program um, is about. Sure. Um, you know, from the clinical side, from the medicine side, uh, this program is really looking at trying to reduce infections after surgery. Uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon that only does surgery uh, to fix broken bones. And in any type of surgery, but in particular the ones I do, prior to the start of the surgery, we clean the limb um, before the, the, the surgical incision. And we call that the skin prep. And the we have to do that for every single surgery. And so ultimately we have a choice between two main types of skin preps. And uh, because that's a simple choice and a a decision that we have to make every single surgery, we thought that this was a a good target to look and see if that choice that we make actually affects the uh, infection rates of our patients. You asked my next question and that is exactly what question are we answering in a prepper program? Um, in the prepping project. And basically you're talking about an opportunity to figure out what works best and who to get the information from other than the patient, other than the client. So um, this project has been near dear to us and near dear to your profession for sure. Um, next question is, I'm gonna gear that towards Jana and um, Deb, Jeff, you guys can, can pop in as well if you want. Can you describe what your experience was like as a valued patient partner? And that key word is awesome, like patient partner and stakeholder in the prep program. Like, tell us about a time when uh, you felt your voice was heard and it changed the project. I'm gonna start with you, Jan, if you can go first for us. 
Sure, I'd be happy to. So I think uh, I would say the time that I felt like as a patient partner, I was um, able to really influence and impact the development of the research was honestly at our opening session when I was able to self tell my story and share how um, the importance of learning the results and working on the, this project and just how um, my life has been impacted by infection. And if we can help someone else to not have to live through some of what I lived through and continue to live through as a result of infection, um, I think that's that was the, I, I felt like that was a powerful time for me to be able to explain that. And Jeff also had that opportunity to share that information to just to kickstart the, the whole project and the research with um, hospitals from around the country. So I think you can't underestimate lived experiences. I hear that terminology a lot um, from the first day I joined patients program to right before um, leaving last year, closing out our projects about lived experiences. And any time you have an opportunity to get lived experience from community members, patients who can literally share their experience, I think that um, says a lot about not only the patients program, but the relationship that we have with our partners. But also it gives um, some substance to the project to let you know that, hey, we're doing this for a reason. And we have people who have lived those experiences and had that experience. Jeff, the same question to you. Can you describe what your experience was like as a valued patient partner on this project? I, I think the thing that really struck me was the first introduction to the uh, to this question that I had. It was a, a survey, a group of trauma survivors had gotten together and they were asking us this question of what we thought about it, or was this a good research question? And we had some feedback and it changed how they stated the question. It changed how they looked at things. And afterwards, I remember thinking, I wasn't just examined, I was listened to. <laughs> and uh, much later, as things developed, as they got the, I got to understand quite a bit more about what was going on. I, I, the way I explained it to a friend of mine is that I wasn't just listened to when I understood things and I had questions, if I had questions that reflected that I didn't know, then they taught me what was different. It wasn't just patting me on the head and smiling and saying, oh, that's nice, and then going doing what they wanted, but come along with us and help us see what we're seeing. So. Yeah. And we're definitely always a phone call or email away when we have questions or people have questions. And I've gotten tons of questions from different projects I've been on from our community partners, uh, patient partners as well. Deb, same question, but I want to actually throw a little twist in it. You know, we're looking for, you know, what your experience was like as a value patient partner. But also, can you tell us, our audience, uh, you know, and other patients about why it's important to share their voice because you know here at the bridge we want to have a platform where we're sharing information for our researchers but also for our community as well so you know what would you tell um patients about why it's important to share their voice share their lived experiences when they're part of a project as a patient partner well i think both jeff and jana had started to explain and talk about it um i guess in terms of my lived experience i became a part of a prep um, be because um, I'm a shock trauma survivor and uh, I came in 
later than Dana and Jeff, um, but in terms of being heard, um, I was heard day one. Um, and I think I was invited to the table, as we say, to the meeting because of my lived experience, which involves um, many fractures from the waist down and um, fractures in terms of broken bones. And it just so happens that for the A prep part of the prepit study, um, it involves open fractures. And open fractures means um, the bone breaks through the skin. And so in this case, um, this portion of the trial, which is A prep, it looks at um, possible infections um, at the site um, for um, open fractures. Oh. I, you know, Ronnie, I, I thought that that was a great uh, explanation. Uh, and now I don't have to explain what an open fracture is. Um, <laughs> but I, the one thing that I want to uh, touch on is, you know, both Jana uh, had experience with an infection. Deb did. Jeff did it at one point as well. And, you know, for these open fractures, it's a huge burden. And in our definition for the trial, there were 7% of the patients had uh, an infection. But when you look at a little bit of a broader definition, meaning uh, following them out to one year, that number almost doubles. So, you know, 13% of the patients had an infection. And then when you look at the worst infections, you know, so, or sorry, the worst open fractures, people that are, you know, really badly injured with this open wound, you know, that rate goes up to 30% of reoperations. And, mm -hmm. and so it, this is a really challenging injury. And for the patients that experience both the injury and or a complication, um, it has a big effect. And so I think it was really important that we had uh, the patient's voice really in the center of this trial. Jeff, I, 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 don't suppose, I, I didn't send you my notes, but it seems like you're right along with my next question in line um, about, you know, oftentimes we hear when we're told working with patients in the community, it can make research take longer. Um, as a doctor uh, in your profession for, for years and have tons of experience, you know, the prepper team invested their time up front with the patient stakeholders. So, you know, how did their engagement actually make the recruitment more efficient, particularly when the pandemic hit, Dr. Sebojan? That question is for you. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the interesting thing about this study was the two treatments that we're comparing, you know, the two ways, the two skin preps, one's iodine and one's a, a chlorhexidine solution. You know, patients are never asked which one they would like. You know, the surgeon just chooses. It's a very simple part of, this, of, the, of the surgery. And so I was a little skeptical at, at the start as trying to figure out how can we actively engage the patients into the study design because normally they don't even know that this is happening. Um, but really where it did help was in the recruitment. And I think, you know, we worked on better wording for um, understanding and explaining the study. So the consent process and stuff like that, you know, um, all three of them were extremely helpful in that. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned the sort of invested the time early. So even, you know, even if I want to minimize that contribution, the fact that we were all contributing together really brought a team effort so that when I really did like need desperate help and I have no idea what to do and I reach out to my patient partners, we already had that trust and we had already had a good working relationship. And so uh, the pandemic, the pandemic, we sort of skirted because we had done all the work 
ahead of time. We already had telephone consents. We already sort of knew how to approach this. And so it really just paid itself for it as, as you as you mentioned. And the pandemic wasn't a huge deal for us. That was awesome to have that resource in, in, in a challenging time, to have that trust. You talk about that earlier, you know. It's another word that I heard with the patients program from the very beginning, establishing trust with our partners, establishing trust within the team. So when a tough situation comes or when a difficult situation comes, um, you still can get the job done. You still can move on. Um, I think that was fantastic for the team um, top to bottom within the prep program. This next question is for anyone who want to jump in first, which I'm pretty sure might be Jeff, but we'll see. Um, the results of a prep they're in and you know can you briefly tell us a little bit about the importance of what you learned um, Jeff can you go first uh, one of the things that I originally said when we started the study was I don't really care which one is better I care <laughs> that my doctor wants to know <laughs> and Dana quite appropriately said I do care um, and that shows the value of having the different opinions and the different points of view that you don't just focus on one thought or one way of doing things. And I think that's what made the team um, approach to this um, so helpful. But <clears throat> finding that there was equivalence between them, um, that there was not a significant statistical difference, but that that helps ease the burden for lower second world, third world countries with uh, disrupted supply chains, that, that they're not be getting worse treatment because they can only provide one solution. That was, I think, once you know something you didn't know, you make better decisions. You're able to do more. I like that. I like that. Jana, were there any surprises? Um about what you learned um, and when APREP was the, the results were in? Well, I, I don't know if it was surprise as much as I would have hoped that one or the other showed a significant um, statistical difference and it didn't. Although the positive of that is, so both of them work well. Both of them are the, the, the data is equal or pretty similar in, um, in terms of the results. So, you know, I think you know, in my field of education, we know that it's difficult to make change. Mm -hmm. So if you think about if one would have shown a significant difference, how do you re how do you reach out to surgeons to say, hey, you need to make a change when in their heart of hearts, they believe what they're doing is the correct solution. So I guess the opposite side of that is, although I would have liked to have seen one that said, absolutely use this one, it's the best. Um, this showed us that both are equally do well in, in what they're supposed to do to fight that infection rate. And it eliminates the need to have to encourage someone to make a change. Dr. Bojan, you just heard, um, you know, uh, Jana mentioned that there was not a big significant change. You know, let me ask you this question. So was it worthwhile doing this study from your perspective as, as a doctor who wanted to see a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think we always want to see one better than the other because we can then hopefully affect practice. Um, you know, Jeff mentioned uh, low, low uh, and middle income countries and potentially supply chain issues. I think that's important. I will also note that we had some supply chain issues in the US where different sites at one point or another were having trouble getting their, the product as well. So 
even in the US, uh, we know that that, that can happen. Uh, there's also some patients that have an allergy, a legitimate allergy to one of the products. And so knowing that, you know, giving them the other product and protecting them from their allergic reaction also isn't going to have a, a negative effect on the risk for infection. So I think that's also important. But probably I think the biggest, most important thing from this trial is not the results of the trial, but the process that we've and that we've been able to implement. And this trial um, really has changed the trajectory or the course of all the trials that come through our department. And, um, you know, I'd like to brag and, and suggest that University of Maryland uh, orthopedic trauma, uh, we're the most successful department in, in the country and nobody's close to what we achieve um, in clinical research and stuff like that. And we are working with a wonderful network of 30 other hospitals. And so now all these hospitals are all thinking in this uh, same manner. And, you know, the last analogy I'll give is my mentor, doc, uh, Dr. Mohit Bhandari at McMaster University, 15 years ago did a trial with a thousand tibia fracture patients. And having a trial that big um, was sort of assumed to be impossible and just by doing that trial even though the results again were similar you know not that sexy or exciting just the fact that he was able to do that trial so big has changed the entire field and now these trials are common so i think there's a lot of you know big take-home messages from achieving such an engaged uh, study like we did to be with the patients program for this long and see if project go all the way through is, is fantastic and the dynamic and the level of teamwork that was put in um, to everyone involved was awesome. Um, Dr. Sabojan, this question is also geared towards you because typically, you know, researchers share their results from trials, uh, for trials like APREP in journals and at conferences. So when thinking about the APREP results, how did bringing the patient's voice into the process change the way you disseminated and shared the results? That's a huge thing we talk about here in the Patients Program is disseminating, getting the information out. As the engagement specialist, people always want to know, okay, what happened? What were the results? What did my input give? So um, can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, we're still a little early in, in the dissemination and still mm -hmm. trying to figure out the best methods. And obviously, you know, being on podcasts like this is a great way to, to um, spread the word a little bit. Um, I also want to, you know, sort of comment and, and send kudos to everybody in in that there's a lot of other stuff that's happening behind the scenes that I'm not even aware of. And, and you know, a, a great patient sort of geared poster was created that can be put up in the clinic. So as patients who participated or even patients that are coming through the clinic with a similar injury, they now can be aware of the results just with a QR scan and, and things on their phone. And so those have been some of the direct patient um, uh, dissemination efforts but I also want to like bring up one challenge that we have not solved and is and it's just too bad sort of the way the research mechanism works like we can't really go back and contact all our patients and give them this information just because of the way the rules work mm. and and I, I don't make those rules <laughs> um, and so I think you know Jeff has become a lot more involved in in our IRB. That's the the group that makes the rules and regulates how we conduct research. And having a patient voice who's gone through this on that committee, I think, is also really helpful because 
that's sort of a silly rule and doesn't really allow us to, to share the results with the people that contributed to these results. And so going forward, I think we can preemptively avoid some of those things, um, but it would really help with our dissemination to the patients. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And uh, you're more than welcome when this is all done. The bridge will be available on multiple podcasts, yeah, multiple networks, multiple platforms. For Lauren, there's this, not even a speed bump, but there's a dead end um, <clears throat> where you are basically prohibited from contacting uh, persons that participated uh, once their participation is ended. And it just was, what a surprise. The thing that we want to do is build trust and give back results and avoid the helicopter research of coming in and taking. Um, so this podcast, um, it really uh, speaks to uh, kind of a systemic or, uh, problem that's built into the system that uh, now is the windmill that I tilt at, as Debbie says. <laughs> Deb, talk about the windmill. Do you think it was worthwhile for you to spend your time participating in this project now that you know the issues that we faced that we found out that it's challenging about getting information back to the community members do you think it was worthwhile for your time to participate oh definitely it, it's not even it was never a thought not to participate but um it helped in terms of being welcomed by the researchers and the patient program and the team um um because uh, like Jeff likes to say that in coming to the table, we sat at the big um, big boys table, so to speak. <laughs> um, and that um, we teamed together. We, it didn't matter where our backgrounds were from. Um, and so um, I think it's important to get the information out to the community. Um, I know that both Jeff and Jana and I are always talking about the um, A prep uh, to the people that we know, to um, survivors that um, accidents have happened um, within a year during the pandemic. Um, but it is harder to um, get the information out to people that we don't know. Yeah, that is challenging. And um, we have a, uh, one of our guests on the podcast today. I know she's listening. And when we have problems, she's one of our major problem solvers here at the Patients Program. So I see her mind, her brain going, and maybe we can develop a, a way to fix that part because that is huge. I mean, dissemination is so huge. And, you know, that's one thing we always talk about is getting information back in any language they can say, in any, in any method they can understand, like having that billboard up on the doctor's office sometimes when i go to a doctor's office i do look around and see what's there and if i see that posted there with the um scanning code i can go and get and, and get the information my own that's helpful that's helpful in, in that process so um that was great that that was developed out of there as well um, we're coming to the end guys i got one more question for everyone and they can all chime in now that we're five years into the patient stakeholder role Jana, deb and jeff five years in this is a long time what other research engagement experiences have you had and how can other patients who are interested get involved in research? Deb, let's start with you. I'm on another orthopedic uh, um, study um, that is patient-centered. 
um, which is how I think I got involved with A-PREP um, uh, because of that. Um, um, I don't know. I guess uh, you can go through the patient's program to, to get involved. Uh, if you want to have a seat at the table, you definitely can come through the patient's program. You just mentioned that you guys were at the big boy table. So thank you, Deb. <laughs> I appreciate it. Jana? Well, I'm going to say that I've, I've been blessed that I haven't had many health issues. So I have not had the opportunity to be invited to other studies. And I guess I should look at that in a positive light that I'm a pretty healthy individual other than my incident a few years ago. So I'm, I'm not part of any other study. Well, don't worry about it. When you say stuff like that here at the Pacers program, we have your phone number and email address. So stay tuned. However, let me also say that um, I think an important part of, of what we're able to share is just one thing that I tell people over and over, I live about an hour from Baltimore and my gosh, how blessed are we to live in this community that for me, within an hour, I can get to, you know, some of the best surgeons in the world, not even just in the country, but in the world. So I think that's part of our story as well. Being able to share that, you know, University of Maryland is doing amazing things. The orthopedic department is absolutely amazing. We have fantastic surgeons, fantastic nurses. Um, just the folks that, that take care of you in that hospital are, I, I can't speak highly enough of my thoughts of University of Maryland and how they've taken care of me. And uh, honestly, some few, a few other family members, it's just a blessing to be so close. Far too kind. Jeff? Absolutely. Um, I, was, I was browsing through the New England Journal of Medicine this morning and saw an article by uh, University of Maryland Orthopedics. So, <laughs> I don't often a, a, a big a big day uh, today for another <laughs> another one of our studies uh, being published in the New England Journal. So Jana was exactly right that uh, we just we have the opportunity um, or the availability to let us share what we can learn. Um, I've been blessed with being treated by some of the best medical, and my obligation for all the prayers that were said for me was to answer them by being. Um, mindful and helpful for other people. I spend a lot of time visiting patients at different hospitals and I don't try to explain things. I just listen to people because that I think was the thing that struck me um, at the very first meeting, uh, which uh, Gerard, Sheila was, they listened. They didn't tell us what to think, but they wanted to hear what we thought of their idea. It's one of the reasons why the bridge was created, so we could listen, so folks could listen to your knowledge, folks could listen to your lived experiences, um, folks could listen to Dr. Bojan's, uh, you know, professional expertise in these areas. So, I always want to thank my guests for participating and sharing their thoughts. Um, this session was awesome, just like I knew it would be. But before we close, is there anything anyone wants to say about the prepping program, about the patients program? Feel free, feel free to share it now. Um, no pressure at all. Um, uh, you can end on that note. But I got to jump in, Rodney. I, I feel like one of those people like up on the stage that grabs the mic and starts saying hi to all their family. Go right ahead. Go, come on. Go, go ahead. Do that. Go ahead. I, I have to do it. So, um, you know, first I want to thank uh, Jenna, Deb, and Jeff for going on this five-year journey. Um, it really, you know, facilitated by the Patients Program. 
Uh, we grew as a team uh, with our patient partners. Um, and I think this, the patient's program and these three individuals have really changed the course of all the research that will be done by my group and certainly our department. Um, you know, Deb just mentioned the prevent clot trial that was just published in the New England Journal, another patient-centered study that was done at University of Maryland patients program, Deb involved as well. And that, that's gonna really change care for patients as well. Uh, and then I have to acknowledge my other uh, colleagues and uh, co-investigators and co-principal investigator, Sheila Sprague, uh, who's at McMaster University, couldn't be here today because she's legitimately on the road in San Antonio collecting data um, to try and close out one of our other studies. And, and she has been a huge, huge driver of this trial. Um, Nathan O'Hara, who's done a lot of the analyses, Mo Bandari, my mentor, and then all the staff at the McMaster team, David, Jordan, Sophia, and I'm, I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. And then, of course, our 14 clinical sites across the country. You know, we mentioned that, that the patients program and these three patient partners that have been here today with me have influenced nationally a network. And just for the A-PREP study, I'm just going to list them off really quickly. You know, Indiana University, Vanderbilt University, University of Texas Health Center, Hamilton Health Sciences, Prisma Health Upstate in Greenville, San Antonio Military Medical Center, Wright State <laughs> University, Banner University Medical Center in Tucson, UCSF in San Francisco, University of Florida, the Core Institute, uh, and two partners in Spain as well, uh, Val de Hebron and uh, Park Tuali Hospital. So huge national, international reach. Um, and I just can't thank everybody enough for uh, contributing to that and putting, putting the patient's voice on a whole nother generation of trials and research that's going to occur. Deb, any closing remarks? No, I was going to call on Jeff since he named uh, for a different trial what was published today. Can he name where APREP was published in? Uh, APREP was published in the uh, Landsat. And do you mind sharing who was on that, who was part of that publishing, Jeff? Do you mind sharing that a little bit? Um, uh, Dr. Slobosian was the lead author, former uh, investigator, uh, Sheila, and all of us that were involved. All of us that was involved. That's the key part about that. You guys, yes. that's awesome. I mean, you know, patient partners become authors. That is fantastic. So you can add that to your resume. So, Deb, next time we share two-step, I'm going to add that to your doctor resume. <laughs> add that publisher to your resume. <laughs> Jeff, I owe you a shirt because you look fantastic. And the last shirt I gave you, you mentioned, was a little too big. I got a smaller one for you, buddy. Keep it up. <laughs> yes. I can't thank you guys enough for today. Thank you for your time, Dr. Subosian. Deb, always a pleasure. Jana, fantastic. Jeff, oh man, sub sublime. Awesome work you guys are doing. Um, continue the work going on, and I know we'll all stay in touch. Thank you again for joining the bridge today. Truly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Bridge Podcast. To learn more about the Patients Program, visit our website at www.patients.umaryland.edu. Thank you.